You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I guess we'll wing it. Yeah. Leroy uh, Jenkins. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do apologize for last week. My uh, house is in the slow process of falling down, and my insurance company is in the long, tedious process of not paying for it. That's painful. Oh, God, no need to awful. apologize for that. Yeah, it's just. And also, last week I had these blowers in my house. You just couldn't hear a damn thing. Well, my schedule wasn't conducive. It was we had a guest in on Wednesday night through the rest of the week, so it was just yeah. Like, uh, and also like if you notice, I totally dropped off the site by Monday. I did. Like I post I posted an article on Monday. That was it, and I was barely on Twitter. It was just a bad week. So, so it wasn't that I was trying to dodge everyone because of the Florida loss. It was I literally had life things going on. I was, on the other hand, trying to dodge everyone because of the Florida loss. Yeah, I mean, I checked in, and it was the typical, oh, no, we suck again. <laughs> That's, that was me. <laughs> uh, oh, I, uh, I went there. I went there. Yeah, it was, I mean, I, you know, well, well, before we get into it, hey, everybody, welcome to the Sneaky Good Podcast. I'm Poser. That's Dan. We occasionally do this thing and we talk about LSU football a little bit. Yeah. But mainly we talk about why we haven't potted it that much. Yeah, that's the main topic of this podcast. No, <laughs> no um, so we, we yeah we skipped the Florida week and it wasn't intentional. That that was my fault because my house was falling down. Um, it's still falling down, but I'm no longer in a hotel room and things are a little bit drier in my house. But we did find the hole in my roof, so that's the rain actually did have a good thing. We we found what the leak was. Um, so anyway, lost to Florida. It sucked. And then once everyone's spirits were the lowest, bam, came back and beat Georgia. How about them apples? (laughs) I wish we just didn't have to do it that way. It's so irritating. Yeah, no. The moment I really got nervous for the Florida game was on game day. And every person on game day picked LSU. And I was like, "Uh oh, that's a bad sign. This team really does thrive on disrespect. Um, there's a reason every coach in the country plays the nobody believes in us card. Yeah, <laughs> it seems to resonate with 18 to 21 year old men. <laughs> yeah, shocking. Um, but particularly this team, I, I think LSU definitely has reason to believe that no one believes in us kind of thing. The, I, I saw a Twitter poll recently of who's more back LSU or Texas. And that's kind of an insult. 
insulting question if you think about it. LSU has won at least eight games, you know, for 20 years now. I mean, last year they won nine games. They were a Notre, they were seconds away from winning 10 games if Notre Dame doesn't connect on a miracle pass. It's not like LSU was in the doldrums. Like, Texas lost to Kansas. Like, Texas actually had somewhere to come back from. LSU was still, you know, a borderline top 10 team. Yeah, I, I don't want to take this pod off the rails on like a media rant. I still there's like this bizarre yeah. disconnect. We've talked about it before. It's like the national media, the way they act about LSU. And I'm not even going to like the whole you know anti-LSU bias. It's not I don't no, really no. understand. It's just like this bizarre. The way they talk about our team is just strange. Like it's just a very strange yeah. tenor that they take. They t- they talk about the program like it's much worse off than it actually is, which is so we don't get off the rails is why this particular team is really primed for a nobody believes in us message, which is why it was bad last week when all of a sudden all the media bought in and started to believe in LSU. That was a bad sign. Yeah. I don't know if I agree that like this team is unique in that sense, but I do think it's the message Ogeron knows how to sell the best. Yeah. I don't want to say it's unique in that sense, but I'm saying they're particularly primed for it. Yeah, you know they're listening for that message, and uh, um, so it was losing people off the bandwagon was a good thing for LSU going into the Georgia game. Um, The bad news is the Florida loss is not a good one to lose. Uh, If you have postseason dreams, now we had talked earlier. Hey, you can lose to Bama if you beat Georgia. And you can still there's a way to make the playoffs. I mean, if we're talking playoffs now, that doesn't exist. This team is now all in on you got to beat Bama. I don't know. It's it's odd because Florida, though, I do not think they're a great team, have set themselves. They've acquitted themselves well. So if Florida wins out until the SEC championship, it's going to just look like a very strong loss for LSU. That's true. I, I agree with that. If they can. If they can turn that around and but what happens is, let's say Florida wins out, LSU wins out, then Florida loses the BAM in the SEC championship game. Florida, LSU looking at them head to head in this scenario, both teams would have two losses. Florida would have a head to head win. There's really no path for LSU ahead of Florida. Yeah, I mean, if we won out, that we would go to the SEC championship. You mean, yeah. except yeah, I'm talking lose to Bama. Bama. Got yeah, you, got I'm you. talking about a path if you lose to Bama. This got team, you. if they want to make the playoffs, which is still a remote possibility, it's still not the number one driver of success for the season, but it's still fun to talk about. Sure, they're now to make the playoffs. The path now entirely goes through beating Bama. Yeah. Yeah, that's that is, I think, a fair point. Yeah. And two weeks ago, you didn't have to beat Bama. I mean, that's that is the ultimate result of the Florida loss. Man, that is just like the one team on the schedule I didn't want to lose to. I know it, it, it is irritating losing. The like I, I mean, I I guess maybe because I'm more prepared to lose to Alabama or I'm just over the fact that, like, it's hard to. I feel like both ways, when you end up in a rivalry, and I'm using air quotes, it becomes so lopsided. 
it's hard to like muster hatred anymore. Right. Like, yeah. Like, and also I think particularly this Bama team, they're so far ahead of the field right now. Yeah. It's kind of, I, I mean, you're looking at it. No one in the country is going to look down on anyone who loses to Bama this year, the, the way they're playing, they're destroying teams. So it's pretty fair to say that there's a gap between Bama and everyone else. So losing to Bama wouldn't really hurt because that's going to happen to everybody losing the Florida hurts because I still think LSU is a better team than Florida. Um, they lost to Philippe Franks and that's, I mean, we talked about it in the run up to the game. Um, who's going to make plays when it matters? Is it going to be, do you trust Joe Burrow to make plays or Philippe Franks? And I trusted Joe Burrow. And on that one Saturday, Joe Burrow didn't make plays when it mattered. And Philippe Franks did. And that uh, goes against everything I believe in in college football. (laughs) Yeah, someone tried to, uh, like, a few people were trying to rally me into this belief that this was some, like, a very good loss for LSU. They're like, Florida is super talented. It's at the swamp. Dan Mullen's a genius. And I'm like, I understand all of those things, but, like, I can make counterpoints to all those things too. Like Florida is not even in the blue chip ratio anymore. They're not as talented as they used to be. They're in a year of transition. This isn't year three of Mullen. This is year one of Mullen. So it's kind of square parts, round holes situation. And yeah, um, we have a lot of success that Florida really had that makes it acceptable. Yeah. Uh, I'd say the one that makes it an acceptable loss and I hate to use the word acceptable loss, but let's just go with it, was the whole – it was the 10th anniversary of their national championship. They retired Tim Tebow's number. Like they were amped for that game, and they won that one on a motion. And honestly, that's what I like about college football. I like that it doesn't always come down to talent. That It, it just sucks that it, my team was on the short end of it this time. It just felt like the end of the blood feud because this is the last game that was a resultant of that whole hurricane debacle. So I just Agreed. really wanted LSU to like take that one. So like we could have the moral victory of like, you know what? Fuck you guys. You got your two games at home and we beat you there. Both times. I totally agree with that. So with that, let's close the books on Florida and move on to something <laughs> so, more fun. I at least wanted to talk about it. Cause I didn't want to make it seem like we avoided the Florida topic, um, sure. but it is easier to talk about Florida when you come out the next week and beat the Holy hell out of Georgia. How long were you nervous? In the Georgia game? I was nervous up until Jacoby Stevens made that sack. Yeah, I was pretty deep. Uh, um, I I think the way we talk about it now is like, oh, we blew out Georgia. It was the, you know, know, it was a 10-point game, and Georgia had the ball in LSU in field goal range with almost the entire fourth quarter to go. Like... This was not salted away until late. Uh, the score was misleading. Um, and I think as much as I can say, I think we're a better team than Florida. But it was just on that day Florida was better than us. I think Georgia's might be roster-wise better than LSU. But on that day, everything just broke right for LSU. It really did. It felt that way early, too. It was just like little bounces, little things that – it was just one of those things where like, ooh, it's fortune on our yeah. side today. You know? Yeah, it was like the opposite of the Florida game. There was um, early on, LSU got a really beneficial spot. It didn't, it set up that fourth and short, but it should have been fourth and two. And instead it was fourth and one, which made going forward a lot easier of a decision. And yep. it, 
that was a beneficial spot that LSU got, which the previous week they didn't get. And, you know, it's those little things, you know, I don't want to say like the officials hand you the game, but it's those things that matter. They kind of added up on the game or, you know, Georgia, like from on that first drive had a wide open receiver. Yeah, that was a touchdown. Just, I mean, that was yeah. a touchdown. Um, the fake field goal, I'm actually going to say wasn't good fortune. That was just Grant Delpit being awesome. Yes. I mean, wh- what a read. He's amazing. I mean, that play was when Blackenship broke for the fake field goal. Delpit was still in the line. He was still engaged with the blocker on the line and somehow recognized the play and got into the backfield to make the tackle. It was just spectacular recognition. Indeed. And then later he had that tip that was pretty sensational as well. It it was great. He he had a so I won't call that a lucky play. From Agreed. missing a wide open receiver, that's luck. Yeah. Getting a beneficial spot, that's luck. Great yeah, guy as accurate awesome. as From, he doesn't miss those throws. Though we rattled yeah. him, like he, I mean, maybe that was the start of it. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think that's, he, he was clearly rattled. rattled. And also, they had a big run that was taken back by a holding that they didn't need. Yep. Uh, I mean, I think Holyfield went for like 30 yards and the hold. Yeah, it was there. I mean, it was one of those. Yeah, you could call it, but it wasn't necessary to the run. It's not really what broke it. I mean, Holyfield was gone anyway. And yeah, Georgia got had these little setbacks early on and then LSU just started piling on. And I, I think that's what good teams do. Uh, you know, you you get an advantage and you take advantage of it. Yeah, we continue to be a very good team when we can run the ball. I mean, our offense has not yet reached the point where I think we're trying to transition to be more like pass leading type of team, but we're still a a running team. This is definitely run set up the pass. And what was really encouraging about this one is how well Clyde Edwards Helaire played because he did not have a good game the previous week. And against Georgia, he was he was great. Um he probably could have had two touchdowns. Um, it just didn't quite go right for him. So he can look at Joe Burrow for having two of his touchdowns. If this was fantasy league. You'd be really ticked off at him. Um, but he was everywhere and he had a ton of big runs. Yeah, he had a nice day. And Brosette's numbers, I mean, I don't, Brosette isn't remembered for having a big day, but if you go look at his the stat line, it was really solid too. Yeah, no, I thought Brosette was more consistent. Like, um, Edwards Elaire was more. One yard, two yards, one yard, 25. Yeah. You know, one, two, 20. Like he, he was the, our big playback. But when he didn't get a big play, he was stuffed at the, he was either stuffed at the line or he got 20 yards. Brosette was four yards, four yards, four yards, four yards, four yards. And that's really valuable, particularly for this team, which is really bad once it gets into third and longs. And one of the things I've enjoyed about our offense this year is that they really, are not discriminatory like they don't really have select targets they go to whoever is open or whoever is working that day i mean justin jefferson yes yes probably the most consistent but around that there's still like one game it's d anderson one game it's stefan sullivan one game it's Derek dylan one game it's you know the freshman kids chase or yeah and then also like i like the district yeah marshall was and also like in in this one, they, they hit tight ends for a while. You know, they hit Carter. You yeah. know, Moreau got some. I, th- I thought that was when it, when Carter made that catch. I was just like, this is going to be our night or <laughs> <Well>, our day. <laughs> like, that was a 
that showed that Burrow was seeing the whole field. And it was one of those things at the end of the game, he only completed 50% of his passes. And I was shocked by that number because it know. seemed like he, like he had this monster day. And then you look at the numbers, you're like, wow, they're not that good. And I think that's once again, goes back to, you know, the Burrow Etling comparisons. Etling got the most out of everything. Burrow still feels like he hasn't hit his ceiling. Yeah, I agree. I agree. There's a lot to there's a lot to feel good about Burrow, but it is weird. I've had that same experience too. We're like, oh man, Burrow had such a good game. Go back to the box score, and it's like, oh, he was uh, 17 for 34 for about 200 yards. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it, it just it didn't feel that way. I, I think one of the one that really helped LSU is that they got ahead on the scoreboard early, and um, Kirby Smart got away from his game plan because uh, early on, Swift and Hall the field were destroying LSU's defense. I mean, just that first, those first two drives, they didn't get any points out of them, but they were just gashing LSU. Yes. But then all of a sudden they're down 10, nothing. And the whole complexion, of the game changed. And all of a sudden he's chasing these points and he couldn't go back to the style he wanted to play. I think if that touchdown pass that he missed, I know I'm going back to it. If he gets that point, it's only 10, seven. And it, it's not the seven points that mattered. It's the fact that it kept the game close and it kept, it changed the play calling later on. If that's a close game, I think he stays with the sledgehammer of those two Swift and Holyfield. And I think Georgia may have won if they could have kept the game close early. And this has been a real mark of an LSU team this year is getting out to big leads early. And it completely changes how the game is coached for both teams. That's true. It's a straight to this team. It's nice to see fast starts. And typically outside of the Florida game, we finish strong as well. Right. Yeah. You know, they have these third quarter lulls and even the Georgia game had a little bit of a third quarter lull. Yep. Uh, especially if you count the first bit of the fourth quarter, as kind of a little bit of bleed over. But, you know, once again, once Jacoby Stevens made that sack, I, I was feeling pretty confident because I, I felt that was Georgia's chance to come back. And once they gave the ball back and then you're like, all right, let's just go on a 90, you know, 90 yard drive and put this one away. And that's kind of what they did. Yeah, it was impressive. I was happy to see the close out like that, but it, it definitely, all the headlines read blowout. But when if in real time, it didn't feel like a blowout until the very end. And then it was all of a sudden yeah. you, look, you looked up and it was like, Oh, we're blowing them out. I don't know. It felt like a, a blowout at halftime. You're like, yeah, we're, you know, it's, you know, 13, 16, nothing at the half. And, you know, we're blowing these guys out. We're killing Georgia. Uh, but also you knew you left a lot of points on the field. Yeah. I thought, that was like the, the consensus was like, Hey, we're beating them, but we should be destroying them kind of thing. Yeah. And then, you know, you had that third quarter lull and then it's a 10 point game. You're like, okay, uh, Georgia, if they score here, it's a one possession game. And we've kind of squandered this. It, it, it felt like a game at, at the end of it, I was going to be writing something about how LSU squandered a dominant <laughs> yeah. performance. And instead, they picked it back up in the fourth quarter and they really put it away. So, yeah, I think the blowout is fair in that sense because I do think LSU wildly outplayed Georgia. Uh, but, again, it was a 10-point game. Like if This game could have gone south very quickly in the fourth quarter. Yeah, even um, late when they got that, they 
they hadn't shown the ability really since the first quarter to have an explosive drive, but then all of a sudden they get that really quick score in the fourth quarter after we went up by 20, even yeah. that struck a little bit of fear back in me of saying like, Oh God, like if they're going to just be able to, you know, drive the field in a minute and a half. Yeah. That was very know? Texas, Oklahoma. That one. I, Cause I remember watching the Texas, Oklahoma game this year when Texas blew the 21 point lead and I was watching it with my wife and it was, you know, she's like, this game's over. I'm like, nah, Oklahoma can score fast. Then, yeah, it was like two plays. Oklahoma scores the touchdown. It's a 14-point game, and there's still like 10 minutes a half left. You're like, oh, all of a sudden, you know, you got to get some stops or, you know, or you've yep. got to score. And uh, I, LSU, yeah, it was, you still felt confident because there was a lot less clock left. I think there was only like six right. or seven minutes on the clock when they scored that touchdown. But still, it's a 13-point game. Like, stuff yeah. can happen. That's not and, undoable. Uh, uh, yeah, because all they have to do is, you know, get a stop, score, get another stop, and then have a two-minute miracle exactly. drill and win on that. I mean, they had two more possessions coming to them. Um, so it was really good to see LSU put together – they didn't even need to score on that drive. They just needed to put together a drive. That's what I told my friends watching the game. I was like, all we have to do here is just milk the hell out of the clock. Like, they don't even need points. They don't even need a field goal. It's just like burn yeah. the clock down low enough that, like, there's no more possibility. Right. And, and but once Jefferson ma- made that, was it Jefferson who made that or Dylan who made that catch? In the, yeah. yeah, it was Jefferson. I mean, that, that was. And also, you know, the game of inches, that could have been an interception. He let him a little bit too much. Half, you know, yeah. half a yard more. So. You know, I, I, you walk out of the game, you feel really good about LSU because I think Georgia's a really good team. Um, you know, they're defending national runner-up. Uh, they have a lot of their guys back. This, they're for real. Um, and you, you just blew their doors off by 20 points. So you, you feel good about it. But there's also a reminder of, like, this is what a good team looks like. Even though we beat them, like, they had talent everywhere. Um, DeAndre Baker, I, I know it was a losing effort, but – you know, we talk about DBU over here. He made some incredible plays that entire game. I mean, he was, he's a guy who didn't really have to hang his head at the end of the game. By 20. You know, and then you also had the running backs. They killed us. Those top two runners were better than our top two runners. Uh, it's just that they didn't get the carries. They abandoned the game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the the type of team that you want to see LSU become, and it's pretty amazing what Kirby's done in a short time there. But I think yeah. you're you're coming off this huge win, and we're going right back into a situation where it's going to be like the Florida game again, where it's another sort of physical, aggressive team, and the only difference is we're inviting them to our house. But yeah, I'm imagining we're going to be favorites. You know? I think we are, but I do think that's a huge difference. I think playing at home at night is a big difference than playing during the day in the swamp. Yeah, um, I, that's huge. And also, I think this is where the Florida loss becomes a positive. Um, Orgeron can definitely preach focus all he wants, but now he has an example. He's like, if you lose your focus, Florida happens. So let's go out there and kick the, you know, kick the crap out of Mississippi state or else this Georgia game doesn't mean anything. And I'm probably wrong, but I would like to think last year's loss resonates just because of, it wasn't just a loss. They, 
stumped us. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think there's something to that. Um, I, don't, I mean, I, after I picked on Felipe Franks, I, I don't want to fall into the same trap again. But Fitzgerald has looked terrible this year. Uh, has he ever looked good? And he's, he's, he's a great runner. He does not scare. You know, he's always well, he's always looked good against LSU. Yeah, it's true. Well, not like it's but yeah, early, you're right. early on. But, but. but you're right. He, but he looks really bad now. I mean, he he's he has nothing but the run, and it opens up the question: How much of Nick Fitzgerald is just wow? Dan Mullen's just a really good coach. Yeah, I think that's fair. I was never a huge Fitzgerald fan, so I was. That was one big reason I didn't think we'd lose to state. It's just because I've always thought he's a pretty one-dimensional kind of player. Yeah. Um, but I mean, to his credit, he completely destroyed us last year. So. Um, but he has looked very one-dimensional this year. Yes. And, and also, I do think it being in Tiger Stadium at night, I think this place is going to be rocking. I think everyone in the this isn't a game that anyone's going to overlook. I mean, I know Bam is two weeks from now. But I think people want Bam out of matter, and that means beating State. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it, it, it helps to have the bye because it's not like there's another game sandwiched there where we have to. Yeah, like turn. if Bama was yeah, if Bama was next week, I think there would be a little bit more of a look ahead. But I think this is definitely you can focus totally on State, so you can then focus on Bama, uh, and I think you have that Florida lesson in the back of everyone's head of about what, you know, what happens if you don't prepare. So I, I think we'll see a motivated the, you know, present LSU team. I was trying to look up too, to see one piece of this team. That's interesting to me is LSU really struggled against Florida's pass rush. Um, and even like Miami put up really impressive penetration numbers against LSU. They've yeah. done it to pretty yeah. much everyone. Georgia doesn't really have a great defense yeah, in that way. No, uh, they don't. And Auburn got, yeah, I, yeah, mine's getting a little choppy as well. Um, and also Auburn got uh, penetration as well. Yeah. And I think state is so more really, in that Auburn, Florida, Miami realm than they are the Georgia realm. So that's going to be a challenge. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, if you look at it, um, they have 17 sacks, which is behind Auburn's 18 and Florida's 21. Um, but it's fourth in the conference. So tied to, yeah, they're, they're a pressure defense and yeah, Georgia's right at the bottom. They're, they're, they only have nine sacks on the season. So they'll be attacking the offensive line again. Uh, but will Brumfeld be back for this game? Cause I think that was a huge factor against Florida. I don't believe so. There, he's practicing, but I think on Monday, Coach O said he's very questionable. Because this team was able to handle pretty much all of the losses on the offensive line. But once Brunfeld went down, they looked like a different offensive line against Florida. And I know Chase and Hines has done really well as a freshman, but it's still a step backwards. Well, and if they've got state has Jeffrey Simmons in the middle and he's maybe the best defensive tackle in the conference. So that's a, that's a handful yes. for our interior guys. Yeah. That's a big challenge is what can we do against this pass rush? Um, 
Yeah, it's the question of the team. The offensive line came into the season as the weakest unit on the team, and they've been decimated by injury, making the weakest unit even weaker. So how the offensive line holds up, I don't know how they've done it so far. They've been – they have exceeded expectations while also having terrible things happen to them nearly every week. That's true. So – it's been a little bit of a roller. It's a roller coaster with them now. I mean, sometimes it seems like some weeks they perform above expectations, and some weeks it's like they're a uh, just a revolving door. Or the Florida game, but they let up like a bunch of sacks early, and then had a clean rest of the rest of the game after the first drive, and then collapsed again in the final ga- in the final drives. I think that was Florida. Uh, so even within games, they've been inconsistent. Mm-hmm. That'll be a big challenge. That's that's probably the number one thing to rally around. I feel like that's the one area that they can state could really take advantage of us. I agree with that. I think that's the big, but you know, that's also what Bama's good at. So you need to work on it. So yeah, and running running the football. I mean, State is a running team, and they have big physical run games. So that's not something we've exactly stood up well to. Yeah, uh, the, the thing is, they don't have anything else going for them if that makes any sense they they don't have a pass game to take pressure off their run game does florida you, know, you, you know they don't but you know and honestly they shut fleet franks down the entire game except for those two drives i this is uh, i'm still infuriated by it and fleet franks had a terrible day and then had two brilliant drives where he was perfect and completed like 50 yards worth of passes he got he got all of his yardage on two touchdown drives I'm just saying that's the model. I mean, Florida was able to run the yeah. ball on us still. Yeah. But, yeah, Florida has a better passing. If Florida averages 7.9 yards a pass, Mississippi State averages 7.1. Uh, Florida has about – ranks ninth in the conference in total passing yards. Mississippi State ranks 13th. So as bad as we thought Florida's passing game was, it's still light years ahead of Florida. <laughs> Um, the difference is, is yes, Mississippi State is the best rushing team in the conference. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting so. matchup. It'll be interesting to see what Aranda does because we've done a lot of like three, three, five kind of looks. So I yeah, he'll, I think we'll, he'll look for some bigger personnel this week. Yeah, this would be an interesting thing if he goes heavy this week because yeah, he has been playing, you know, three threes or even you know playing a lot of five defensive backs. This is a chance to play a more traditional defense. Or will he, you know, mix up the blitz game or try to bring safeties down? I don't know. He has some options. It'll be it'll be interesting to see what kind of chess he tries to play. Yeah, I think that is the key thing is trying to shut down Mississippi State because LSU really hasn't played a run team like Mississippi State. Um. LSU has gone speed over heft. Um, but Aranda seems like a creative guy, so I think he'll adjust to the – he doesn't seem married to any sort of formation. So I th- it's not like he's, you know, Gary Patterson. You know, it's the four two five. 5 So I think he'll adjust to what Mississippi State requires. He seems to like to um – his aim always seems to be to confuse, and I feel like that's how he believes in winning. I think that's fair. 
I mean, I see like I see some defenses that are more like, well, we're going to maul you at the point of attack. We're going to just dominate physically. And I, that's certainly a part of LSU's game, too. But I think he prefers to try to play that chess match. Yeah, he wants to outsmart you. Yeah, um, make you make mistakes. Yeah, because most times you think of the offense as dictating and trying to fool the defense. Yeah. So he, he likes to plant a bug in the offense's mind. Hey, you got to worry about us, too. Yeah, it's like the in, during the Georgia game, there was a good example of it where Gary called out like, hey, Aranda is known for being a man to man defensive coordinator. And all of a sudden Georgia comes into town and he's like, OK, we're just going to drop in a zone all day. Good yeah, luck. And that's also what, yeah, <laughs> you know, which is also why I think he's more likely to play like a four three against Mississippi State, because, hey, uh, I've been playing three three all season. I don't care. I'm now going to go, you know, I'm going to go big against these or I'll go three, four in this game because screw you. I'll do whatever works best. My players are going to line up my best personnel to stop whatever you're throwing at me. Yeah. The personnel choices this year are interesting. Like last week, this whole, Oh, we're going to move John Trey to John Trey Kirkland to offense. Cause he's been pretty explosive. He has to be a wide receiver, so we're gonna give him a shot. He gets—he actually gets a touch, which is surprising, yeah. but cool. He's, and now, like you know, Tyler Shelvin, one of our big beefy DTs, has not really played. He's been suspended or injured or something. You know, when they—he's in the doghouse, I guess. But now O says he's back this week, which seems yeah. like a prime opponent for him to be back for. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, and uh, um, uh, it did seem like Kirkland kind of took over the Giles role on the team. It seems it seems like he's headed further and further to the doghouse. I feel bad for that kid because he clearly just has like the football equivalent of the yips. Yeah, uh, it's really a shame. He's just having that kind of year. And another big factor, I think, against Mississippi State is Jacob Phillips health, Uh, because if you want to talk about big factors, I mean, we're talking about Brumfeld being hurt against Florida. Jacob Phillips not playing against Florida might have been the biggest factor in that game against LSU. And he came back. The the one-two punch of White and Phillips is pretty lethal. Um, But if one of the two isn't on the field, they no longer have the linebacker depth to cover for one of those two guys being out. Yeah, he's a big-time difference maker. And you're starting to see, well, you saw against Georgia, at least, like Divinity starting to figure out the pass rush thing a little bit better than he has all year. I, I, that's fair. But, yeah, Divinity right now, he, he's one of the guys, and you can rotate him out. Phillips and Phillips and Devin White are the, the irreplaceable linebackers. Yep. You know, those, those two are definitely a cut above the rest of the core. And if Phillips can't go – it means bad things against Mississippi State. And there's been no indication that he won't play, though, right? No, I don't think there is. I, I, I don't even know why. There was no indication leading up to Florida that he wouldn't play. And then all of a sudden he didn't play. Yeah. I wonder if that's a team violation or. Yeah, sort of- it really it really screams that he had a team violation. So if he did, hey, good on O for sticking by his guns. Yeah. You know, because uh, they needed him. Like if it <laughs> like he, he definitely put team ahead of player. 
no doubt. So, but yeah, I think LSU is, I don't want to say, they're not where we thought they were going to be. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's as shocking as some people are trying to make it out to be of where, you know, where this team is. Um, but they're six and one right now. They're, you know, three and one in the SEC. But there's still a lot of huge hurdles to play. They're still going to play three teams that are ranked in the S&P top 25. They still have Bama on the schedule. I mean, we could be talking in a you know at the end of the year that this is another nine and four team. Like they haven't accomplished anything yet. It's set up that they can you know that we can talk about playoffs right now. But we're certainly not guaranteed. The season's only half over, which is weird because they've played all of these big games. They've had all these big wins. And they're all in the rear of your mirror. And then you look ahead and it seemed like there's so many more insurmountable hurdles ahead. Starting with yeah. state. Yeah. The absurdity of this year's schedule. That's, um, it does just feel like a never ending, like week after week after week, we're playing somebody that matters. Yeah. And you look around the rest of the country and it doesn't feel other teams <laughs> are doing that. I mean, even <laughs> in the sec, no. you know, it's, it, it it just doesn't seem like there's been a break. So Mississippi State kind of is one of the easy games. And that's crazy. Yeah. You know, and right now it looks like how the season's playing out right now is Bama and A&M are the two best teams in the SEC West other than LSU. So really, for all this talk so far in the season – LSU is still yet to play the two best teams in its own division. Yeah, I think that's fair. So there's there's a lot accomplished, and I think they've you know shut a lot of people up and proved some naysayers wrong. But the job isn't close to done yet. Like there's no chance for them to sit on their laurels and say, "Oh wow, look at what we've accomplished." Because you know this could very easily end up as a four and four SEC season. And that would be considering how well they played in the season's first seven games. That would be, you know, that'd be a real shame. Yeah, it would. Like you feel like they've reached a threshold of being above that performance level. And then it would just be, it would throw you back into feeling like, well, I don't know where it's going, you know, right right now it feels like the program's on a very upward trajectory. Yeah, and I think that's why this Mississippi State game matters so much. Because you can lose to Bama and no one's going to bat an eye. Nope. But Mississippi State is now becoming, this is how it goes the season. Bama, Texas A&M, finish. Yes, I am skipping over Arkansas. <laughs> Who did look pretty good against Ole Miss, I'm not going to lie. They're improving. Yeah. I'm losing you. I'm losing you again. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say anything, man. I got. Uh, I got the poor network connection. So we're, we apologize for the, the shoddy nature of this audio because we've been having network issues all night. Yeah, I have no idea what it is. Maybe it's because Dallas is underwater. Yeah, I don't know. It's nice here, but maybe it's my internet. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm, neither one of us will claim responsibility for the poor internet. So it's bizarre. I will say my internet has been shitty lately, so it's probably mine. 
Yeah, so I haven't been home, you know, for a couple of days. So this is like my second day back in the house after being forced out by flooding inside my own house. So I have no idea how my internet's been. Well, I'm glad you're back home. Yeah, no, it's nice to be back home, and I'll be able to sit around and actually watch the state game. You know, get drunk like an adult. <laughs> Go Tigers. <laughs> yeah, go Tigers. 